Coming up on this episode of the Jeep Talk Show, Michael Gramoziak, Chief Engineer at the Timken Bearing Company, is with us. And that's right, Timken, the company we know and love that does all those awesome bearings and seals. And oh, hey, guess what? They've got a big giveaway they're going to be doing here on the show today, too. This week in Jeep, we're going to hear how you can get a discount on a new Gladiator. And if you think you've had a close call or a pucker moment in your own Jeep, wait till you hear about this guy. If all the steam on your back window just won't go away, we have a fix for you in Tech Talk. Nikki G calls in, and I'm not sure if I should laugh or be offended. Now we've got a whole bunch more other st- shows and stuff, and so stick around. You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the Jeep Talk Show with Jeep Mama. Are you sure? Josh. Yeah, I don't think so. And Tony. I think that's a huge deal. So sit back, strap in, and brace yourself. This episode of the Jeep Talk Show is brought to you by Extreme Terrain, Wrangler Off-Road Parts and Accessories Outfitter. Stay tuned to hear their fall 2019 scholarship winner announcement and how you can earn $2,500 towards higher education from Extreme Terrain. This episode is also brought to you in part by Nexon Tire. Nexon Tire has been around for 77 years. Nexon has made passenger and SUV tires along with street performance for many years and most recently have started making off-road tires. The Nexon Rodian MTX is an amazing, long-lasting off-road tire with its all-around fantastic performance in mud or rocks. Find out more about Nexon Tires by going to the NexonTireUSA.com right now. That's NexonTireUSA.com. Have you ever thought about removing your Wrangler or Gladiator hardtop? Have you been struggling to find a good solution? The J-Bar is a complete Jeep hardtop removal hoist and storage system that works with both Wrangler and Gladiator hardtops. It's never been easier to go topless. Check them out at www.j-bar.com. That's the letter J-Bar.com. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a Jeep, want a Jeep, or never driven anything but Jeeps, the show is for you. Josh, Jamie, and myself are here to inform and entertain you while we talk about Josh, you got, you're on your own this, uh, this time. Oh, jeez. No, it's mine. Oh, geez. Okay. Uh, uh, line, please. <laughs> Jeeps. Uh, thank you very much. Jeeps. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> hey, I'm Tony, and there's nothing like the smell of a freshly installed rubber. <laughs> thank you. Hey, I'm Josh, and yes, this is my voice. Well, one of them at least. Local Jeep News, National Jeep News, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is, of course, brought to you by Amazon.com. Have you had it up to here with political nonsense and wish there was a way to tune some of it all out? Well, you could always listen (laughs) to more Jeep Talk Show. Well, or you could go to our site, click the Amazon button there, and get yourself some padded eye covers and a big box of earplugs or some of those cool noise-canceling headphones. Of course, anything you buy on Amazon after clicking that button will give the show a few cents a kickback while costing you absolutely nothing more. If you like what you hear or have gotten any benefit from what we're doing, then please consider giving back. That's JeepTalkShow.com, and look for a big Amazon button. Hey, and thanks in advance. Okay, imagine this. You are Trooper, State Trooper Ruben Correa, who has been with the Utah Highway Patrol for two years, and you're responding to a routine traffic stop when you get a call from dispatch about a vehicle on the train tracks not far from your current location. Sounds like a lead-up to a scene straight out of a TV cop drama, right? Well, in fact, these events actually happened earlier this week. Check it out. Korea immediately left the traffic stop and began to drive down the freeway using his spotlight to search for the vehicle that he had just gotten word of. 
It didn't take long to find the vehicle in question, a four-door Jeep Wrangler down an embankment sitting across the railroad tracks. The driver of the Jeep, a man in his 20s, was unconscious, and a medical issue had caused him to drive off the nearby highway and onto the railroad tracks. The trooper ended up arriving just in the nick of time. As soon as he exited the vehicle, he heard the train. It took 35 seconds from when Trooper Correa got out of his patrol car to when the train hit the stranded Jeep. Sergeant Nick Street, the spokesman for the Utah Highway Patrol, stated, At that point, I really actually wasn't thinking, Correa said. I was just doing my job. Due to the quick actions of this officer, the man was pulled from his Jeep with literally just seconds and mere feet to spare before the the train collided with the Wrangler. The trooper and the driver were still just feet away on the embankment when the train came through. The Utah Highway Patrol called Korea's actions both incredible and heroic. After being rescued, the driver was checked out by medical personnel and is doing well, according to reports. The exact nature of the medical condition has not yet been released. Either way, boy, what a story. So, I mean, he did, did he even try pushing the, the Wrangler off the tracks? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, glad he saved the life. I, I'm pretty but, sure I mean, this guy on, was a not cheap. Superman. I mean, just, <laughs> despite being there, you know, at the nick of time, uh, yeah, I mean, something tells me that, uh, you know, the Jeep rolled down the embankment, maybe got the front tires up over the railroad, uh, the actual, you know, uh, the track itself. The, the, I, um, I don't want to hear this. I want to know. I tried. I tried to save the Jeep, but I, I don't couldn't. think he had time. I honestly <laughs> don't think he had time. And he had to pick one or the other, so oh, he picked the driver. Gee, I, I guess that was the right decision. It just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> It was a Wrangler. I mean, if it had been something other, one of the other Jeeps, you know, come on. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd understand. Well, I'm glad uh, glad the driver uh, survived, and I hope it's not a serious medical condition. I guess it's fairly serious if you lose consciousness, but uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it was something you know, simple. A, a diabetic episode or an epileptic episode or something like that. I mean, those are you know usually the two common ones for somebody of that age. I couldn't imagine it being something like a heart attack or something with somebody in their 20s, but, uh, but nonetheless, glad everybody's okay. Well, I was going to say, if it was a Jeep truck, he probably uh, was uh, panicking about making that first payment. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> I got to go back to the lot. I got to take this back. (laughs) Well, speaking of Jeep owners and a new Jeep truck, current Jeep owners are now eligible for a loyalty discount on a new Gladiator. Incentives are once again reducing the price of the Jeep Gladiator for some buyers, but not all. The latest enticement is a loyalty bonus for existing Jeep owners that slices $1,000 right off the top of the pickup's price. If you are eligible, you will receive an actual coupon for the offer, either electronically or in the mail. Unlike the last deal that came down the pike, which was just a lease option, by the way, this is a little bit more attractive. The last offer, if you remember, you could get a Gladiator for as little as $143 a month for 24 months. But the catch was you were just limited to just 10,000 miles per year. Yeah, no thanks. I'd actually like to drive my new Jeep and not just keep it chained up in the garage. Those offers ended in September, thankfully, and uh, we're here and gone before you knew it. This one has a little bit more time behind it, and so you've got some, well, time to think about it. The incentive runs through January 2nd, so if you're still on the fence, well, about owning a new Gladiator, there's no rush. This new deal almost sounds too good to be true, and some of you might be wondering, okay, what's the catch with this one? If there is a downside to this offer, it's that it excludes the the top-of-the-line Rubicon trim, but that's really about it. Somebody could still apply the discount to the Sport, Sport S, or even the Overland trims, but so it's not all bad. 
Online reports show that the dealers are rarely stocking base variants with few options anyway, so the chances are good that you can save on a Gladiator that suits your needs and wants. The average asking price for a new Gladiator is around 40 grand, so any discount at all, I think, can be appreciated. If you end up do getting one of these coupons, we want to see it. We want to see what it looks like, all that sort of stuff. Be sure to send us a pic or post it up on our Facebook page. You know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but uh, $40,000 isn't that bad. Considering uh, in 98, when I was uh, at the, the Jeep dealership looking at my now 98 Jeep Cherokee, of course, it was still a 98 Jeep Cherokee back then, So, but I digress. Uh, I remember the uh, the uh, Grand Cherokee sitting right next to it was $32,000. Yikes. So, I guess in the big scheme of things, that's 20 years later, and for, it's an $8,000 increase. I mean, $8,000 is a lot of money, but <laughs> 20 years, wow. So, yeah. I guess 40 isn't so bad, but of course, that's not the Rubicon uh, that, that we're talking about there, but uh, oh, it's just... You know, if there was a, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to stay calm. I know we were chatting the other day offline that uh, about, uh, you know, I saw yeah, I could spend $300 a month and uh, have a Gladiator, drive it around, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it was $3,200 uh, down uh, and uh, $299 a month. Of course, they don't t- talk about how much the insurance is going to cost you, which is probably another right. $300. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but so it's very tempting. Bucks a month for, yeah. uh, for a new Gladiator. Yeah, well, I'm sure some people can pull that. It's uh, it's very tempting. Oh, you know, of course, you just pay cash and just have liability. I guess. <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> hey, if you got a news tip or response to any one of our stories, you want to chime in on the uh, cost of a gladiator, we'll be sure to let us know what you have to say by phone or by email. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com/contact and find out how to reach out. Hey, coming up a little bit later in the show, we've got an interview with Michael Gromosiak, application engineer at Timken Bearing Company. You know the name. And coming up in Tech Talk, it's easier than you think. Get your rear defroster back with this quick fix. Oh, and this is the time of year to have a rear defroster, Josh. So exactly. Great timing on that one. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network podcast. Hey, and don't forget, coming up a little bit later in the show, Nikki G's going to call in, and you probably don't want to miss this one. <laughs> probably. <laughs> A definite maybe. Hey, Jeep Talk Show. This is Johnny from PA, and it's great to have a friend. Bill, as your new Wrangler talk host, he's great too. And, uh, yeah, Bill, why don't you going to have me put on my bumper on my Jeep? Because, uh, <laughs> Bill, I'm too lazy to do it myself or something. Or, but I'm really close to Bill. So, uh, if you want to help me out, you know how to contact me. And again, this is Johnny from PA. Love the show, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the show, and when are you going to help me put my bumper yeah, on, Dan? When are you going to get to work, huh? Come on. <laughs> the socket set waiting over here. Quit slacking. It doesn't require that much time to do the Wrangler talk. So, I mean, get over here and help me with my bumper. I love that. Oh, this is great. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Bill. <laughs> hey, you guys, we've got stickers, and you can have one, too. Actually, you can have two. All you have to do is send a self-addressed stamped envelope over to us, and we will stick those two stickers in there and send it right back to you. Want to know what an SASE is? Well, that's where you take an envelope, you put your address on it, and you put two or however many stamps you need to get those uh, stickers mailed back to you. So uh, just go. I to- thought it was solid axle swap electronically. <laughs> what, what is this? Oh, that would be nice. <laughs> Uh, but just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and you'll find all the different ways you can uh, contact us and uh, get that uh, address where you're going to be sending that S-A-S-E to. 
Did I end that on a preposition? I don't, I don't even know that how English works. You got tech questions? Ah, oh, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I didn't, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. Yahoo! Well, as we teased at the top of the show, if you've got a broken uh, de- rear defroster, that rear window is just too foggy. Well, listen up. I've got a solution for you. I've seen it a hundred times. A hardtop Wrangler rolling down the street, windows all fogged up from a leaky freedom top, and the rear window has about three stripes of clear glass on it. The rest, completely fogged up. Heck, I've even owned a vehicle or two over the years where the rear defrost only had a few lines working of defrostability, where it plain and simply just didn't work at all. Yeah, sometimes the problem is a little more serious, like a relay or a broken wire somewhere, but more often times than not, it's just simply a, a broken or a burnt-out trace in the glass. Now, what I'm referring to are those little goldish, brownish, ornish-colored lines that cross back and forth in the rear, rear window. Just about every vehicle on the planet has a rear window uh, that has a rear window has these little lines in them. They often consist of parallel linear resistive conductors, or that are on or in the glass. When power is applied, these conductors will heat up, actually, thawing the ice and evaporating condensation from the glass, obviously just defogging the window. These conductors may be composed of a silver ceramic material painted and baked onto the interior surface of the glass, or they may even be a series of very fine wires actually embedded within the glass. If you have the kind that is embedded within the glass, unfortunately, this fix is not going to work for you, and the window will need to be replaced if that is the problem and your rear defrost doesn't work, as there's just plain and simply no way to service this, uh, this kind of rear defroster without replacing the whole unit. Now, the surface, uh, surface printed variety is prone to damage by abrasion. You can actually feel the conductors if you run your fingernail up the inside of the rear window. If you have the surface mounted kind of rear defroster, it can be repaired very easily with a conductive paint material. Repair kits for this very task can be found at virtually any and every parts store across the land. My favorite is the Permatex Quick Grid Repair Kit. These go for about 10 to 15 bucks, depending. Uh, definitely going to be under 20 regardless of where you go. And have everything you need to repair that broken conductor trace on your rear window. The process involves cleaning the window, masking off the area you want to work on, and securing the included template in just the right position over the broken trace. And you simply paint on a new conductive line where the old one was, when, where the old one was broken. If you take care in the prep work and you follow the instructions, you'll be defrosting that whole window again in no time. I mean, really what we're talking about here is just a a resistor, a big resistor that heats up when electricity runs through it, isn't it? Yeah. And basically it's just that resistor instead of one little component on a circuit board is a bunch of lines across your rear window. That's exactly right, Tony. So um, (laughs) it seems like uh, I've seen this more often than not where people will be removing window tint from their rear window and they use a razor blade. Oh God! There are so many better ways to remove tint. I, I probably need to do a tech talk segment just on the actual um, best process to remove window tint, an old window tint from uh, from a window without messing things up. But yeah, you're right. If you try and remove old tint from a rear window using a razor blade, well, chances are you're gonna mess up your uh, your rear defrost. Yeah, I thought I'd just throw that in there. I, I knew you'd love that one because uh, all the automotive stuff that you've done and seen over the years. Uh, so it helps to understand how this stuff works because it helps you make your decision about how you're going to you know, proceed in something like that. You know, I, I guess it doesn't hurt to uh, put window tint over the, the heating elements, although no, no, I, I guess it could all. cause it to bubble uh, depending on how hot it got, I guess. 
No, actually, uh, the the modern day window tents that are, are applied by a professional, um, they are designed to operate under those kinds of temperatures and oh, conditions. Good. You know, they're they're meant to to withstand you know sub zero temperatures and you know actual hundreds of degrees, uh, you know, in direct sunlight in the middle of the desert. You know, so no, the the stuff is it can can handle it. So take putting the tent on is okay. Taking it off, if you do it wrong, can actually screw things up pretty bad. There you go. But at least now we know there's a fix. So whenever you go, well, I did do the razor blade, and it stopped working right after that. Yeah, now I know well, why. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, if you have anything to add, or maybe you have a question for Tech Talk that you would uh, like for us to address here on the show, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us a message. Who knows? Might very well uh, be answering your question next week. From around the world... Or from your city. And sometimes just down the street. Howdy, neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. Hi-de-ho, boys and girls. It's another Jeep Talk Show interview, and we've got an extra special interview. I know I say that a lot, but but this time I really mean it. We have uh, Mike from Timken. Uh, with us tonight yeah Timken, the bearing people you know that those wheel bearing assemblies that you got to change every so often on the the front of your jeep or maybe some of the multitude of other uh, bearings that you can uh, put in on your your jeep the the Timken name you know that name anyway mike is here he is the chief engineer mobile on highway for the Timken company a world leading manufacturer of bearings and mechanical power transmission products in 1996 mike started his Timken career as an application engineer focused on chassis and wheel uh, end products for the North American light truck market. His engineering team works on many light truck and SUV platforms in North America, including the Jeep Wrangler and the Jeep truck. Mike has been an active member of the Society of Automotive Engineers, SAE, for 23 years, serving as chairman of the Akron Canton uh, section of SAE from 2002 through 2004. Most recently, Mike has lectured at several key industry conferences focused on the next generation automotive technologies for both axle and chassis products. Mike is uh, extremely excited to visit the Jeep Talk Show podcast and share Tempkin's engagement with the Jeep brand. Uh, Mike, I can't help but think you're going to be sorely disappointed in how excited you are to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Tony, thanks for having me tonight. I really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, love the Timken name. Always make sure that I uh, I get Timken uh, uh, bearings uh, whenever I go to replace things on the whether it's the the uh, the rear axle on my Jeep or especially the uh, wheel bearing assemblies. Uh, you can find cheaper wheel bearing assemblies, but they don't last as long. And damn it, even though I I work on my own Jeep. I don't like it. It's hot. It's dirty. And I, when I put something in there, I wanted to last a long time. So I, I make sure I get the uh, the Timken wheel bearing assemblies to go in there. Now, let me let me circle back here for a second. The Society of Automotive Engineers, the SAE, is there a another another group that that is like metric? And you guys have a uh, like maybe a ball game that you guys fight it out between the SAEs and the metrics uh, metric crowd. <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, DDI is actually the, the European version of that. So that, that's most of the German German societies. So uh-huh. Yeah, we, we can battle it out now and then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's the, what's the deal with metric? I mean, they were telling me back in uh, in junior high, the world's going to be metric here very, very soon, and and we're still measuring things in the the imperial measuring. Uh, and as I like to say, the way God intended. Are you are you an SAE person <laughs> or a metric person? So uh, it's funny. But 
Timken's officially metric. Yeah, yeah, but, see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But, but, uh, but in instances where English is still used or ABMA, uh-huh. uh, but we do use those units. So we, we have to work in both. We have to be bilingual there. You know, I guess it would be a lot easier if it was just one measuring system. And I think they actually lost, uh, I can't remember if it was the Russians, uh, lost a, a Mars probe due to uh, the imperial measurements uh, opposed to metrics. I think the the whole guidance system uh, was, one was based on uh, SAE, the other one was based on uh, metric, and it crashed right into the planet because <laughs> they didn't have it the I, same. I, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, well, anyway, uh, it, uh, it, people uh, people listening to the show are, are used to bad jokes, Mike. It's new for you, so that's uh, <laughs> the SAE to metric thing. They had, had to go with that. Um, so, uh, that, my God, that you've been there a long, long time. That's a lot of bearings that you've designed. Do you have a uh, is is the wheel bearing assembly? That's the and I think that's the thing that most jeepers know about Timken is the the wheel bearing assembly. That whole unit that gets replaced on the uh, most often the Dana thirty or the Dana forty four on the, uh, the 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 Jeep axle. Do you work on that one on that bearing? We do, and, and to be clear, you're referring to the rear axles there, correct? Oh no, no, the front, the front axle, uh, the ones that uh, uh, that hold the uh, well, they actually get, you know allow you to bolt the uh, the wheels onto the front axle. Right. Yeah. So, so we do uh, supply those those products uh, through through some of our channels. Uh, yes. Excellent. So and uh, so one of the things that seems like that that people uh, often do is. They'll break uh, like the axle stub that actually goes into that bearing, and uh, the big mm-hmm. nut goes on there and tightens it up. And they'll they'll break that right. uh, somehow. It's usually the the U joint that gets broken. So they'll do a trail repair, which means pulling that uh, that that stub out of there, and then they'll put the bearing back on and try to drive it home. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't, because uh, sometimes the wheel actually uh, uh, comes off the vehicle. And I don't think a lot of people understand that 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 uh, that little stub, that little axle stub, is an integral part of the bearing. That's correct. A lot of times, the function of that is is to retain the assembly together. Um, in addition to that, you know, the, the the interesting thing about any type of wheel hub is that um, you don't see the inside, so it's sold as a unitized assembly. Uh, so it's sold with a, a wheel hub, a bearing. You're going to have uh, sealing elements. So you're having any type of damages that as well. You know, what you can't see is hidden inside. It could be Brunel's. So it could be some damage inside. So you got to be careful when when you have some damage to, to be aware. You know, we like to rotate the part by hand. You can sometimes feel if there's any grinding or notchiness in that part. And that, that would tell you to kind of compromise the, the assembly, especially with a lot of the hard off-roading that a Jeeper would do. Now, um, Jez, uh, do, you, do you guys make a bearing? Uh, I, know that, uh, I know the Jeep Cherokee, uh, and I, well, the Jeep Cherokee would come in a four-wheel drive or two-wheel drive uh, variant. And I think that the, the two-wheel drive still had an axle up front, but, of course, it didn't have the differential and the axle shafts. So, uh, I I had heard something about a bearing that you could get or the ones that came with that one that didn't require the axle stub to hold it together. Uh, does, does Timken make those, those bearings for the two wheel drive, uh, uh, models? Actually, Tony, for, for that, for that model, we do not make the front wheel hub for that. Uh, we have in some previous generations, um, it's the core products that we provide currently on the Jeep is actually on the rear axles or the semi float axles. Okay. 
Now, I was just curious because, and this is kind of an old thing. I have one of those old Jeeps. My Jeep is 20 years old. I have a Jeep Cherokee. Of course, they haven't, okay. been, they haven't been made since 2001. So I'm asking you about something that hasn't been around for a long time. So it's it's probably sure. not a fair question. But it seems like to me that there was a uh, a bearing that you could get that didn't require the the uh, the little axle stub to hold it together. And I was just I was just kind of curious about that. But that's old news. So uh, anyway. Well, I, well, I, well, to answer that question, though, uh, that technology exists, so it's called a formed or roll-formed end or, or uh, in other terms, an orbital-formed end, uh, and that actually includes a cold-rolled material that actually clamps the bearing together. All right. And what that's, what that's done, that technology has actually eliminated the need for half-shaft or any type of joint to, to hold the clamp, uh, and that, that was a technology that, that was adopted by many of the, of the big three uh, in the, in the uh, I'll say, mid 90s to really 2000s uh, it, to really ensure that that compromise uh, the, the assembly was not compromised uh, when someone's servicing the vehicle because you can actually do irreparable damage if that part comes apart and then you clamp it back. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be a bad thing. So, well, good. That's exactly where I was going with that. Uh, I was yeah. afraid I was asking too old a question <laughs> that the world no, no, the world had passed by. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it's actually still very very relevant. Okay. Very relevant. So let me ask you this: um, Is there a reason? Uh, uh, I guess. Well, obviously, there's a reason. I'm. Th- I was wondering why the 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 wheel bearing assembly, uh, if you can make it that like that, uh, where it doesn't require the little axle stub. Why don't you guys make sure. it like that, uh, where you don't you could use the axle stub or not, and it would still hold together? Is it? Uh, is it just a, a cost thing or you just, uh, engineering wise, it just doesn't make sense to do it. It, it. Exactly. I think the second point, um, when you look at ourselves and the competition in the industry, many of us have, have gone to the major OEMs and looked at kind of further integration is what I like to call it. Uh, gen three, gen four, some gen five type technologies is what we've tried to highlight where you try to integrate more and more of those parts. And kind of the point that you hit on earlier, Tony, is you're out in the field and you have a damaged assembly. If too many components are, are integrated together, you know, the cost just magnifies when too many parts have to be replaced with one single uh, component. So, so, you know, right now, I'll say the OEMs have hit the sweet spot in the, I'll say, the wheel, wheel end integration space. Uh, so I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of changes in the overall architecture you're going to see continued advancements and sealing technologies and other things to uh, kind of keep contaminant out as well as kind of robustness to, to heavy loads. Okay, good. The contaminant, uh, keeping the contaminants out, I was going to ask you about that. It, how I've, I've never liked a sealed bearing. I've always liked the idea of either being able to hand pack the, uh, the bearing with grease when it needs it or, uh, or, right. or, or put on a Zerk fitting, you know, put a, a, a tube on a Zerk fitting and, and push all the old stuff out. Um, is there a problem with, uh, over time getting debris, especially like in high water crossings, uh, for those, uh, specifically for the, the, the wheel bearing assembly that, uh, that goes on the, uh, the front, the Dana 30, uh, Dana 44 axles, uh, is, uh, how is that handled to keep the, to keep the debris out of there? Or is it just not something you should do? Again, another great question, and, and really it comes down to when an OEM designs a wheel end, um, you try to design to the 99th percentile user, um, but it, it can be real challenging. Um, 
And, and over time, you know, so when you look at a wheel end, especially with grease, when you have a grease seal, grease seals have to burp, relieve pressure. Mm-hmm. An oil seal, because you have to uh, eliminate the, the, the potential for oil to leak out of the system, is actually much tighter and they don't burp. So in one instance, you've got grease seals on any type of package bearing where they need to burp to release the pressure as the bearings get hot. But also, if you're driving through a, a mud bog or some type of water fording, it can also suck water in. So it, there's challenges to, to venting the bearing, to keeping it cool, but then also having the, the contaminant exclusion properties. I'll say there's been a lot of advancements in seal designs over the past 15, 20 years. Um, but, you know, to, to make it foolproof against really heavy-duty usage, I'll say it's still a challenge for the industry. Okay. So if you do high water or, like you say, a bog-type thing, you are risking getting debris in there and uh, uh, perhaps damaging the bearings uh, because of the foreign objects that are in, in, mixing in with the, uh, uh, the lubricants. I'll say that, you know, that, that obviously advances with, with time. So as the vehicle mileage increases, steel lifts do tend to wear a bit more. Um, you, you know, the, the chances of that happening in, in low or early mileage of the vehicle is a lot different than, say, if you have 80, 100, 150,000 miles. That's where you really start to see potentially a higher risk of contamination sure. as the seals wear down and the bearings are getting worn in. Sure, that makes sense. Well, at, at that time, uh, it, I think around 100,000 miles is, is generally where I try to change out my wheel bearing assemblies anyway. Uh, and I don't mean to beat you up on this one item, but it's it's just the no problem. The biggest item that I can think of uh, that is, uh, I guess, so abused because of the larger tires and wheels and the additional uh, torque that's put on the, on the bearings. Uh, is there um, – now, I'm sure you guys design – uh, for OEM, but do you take into account uh, Jeepers and uh, <laughs> doing the wheel offsets and the much larger, heavier tires that are being put on these uh, wheel bearing assemblies? It's a great question. Um, you know, when we when we make it for the OE, you don't. Um, could you upsize bearings for that? Absolutely. You know, if you go to a larger uh, tire rolling radius, what you do is you increase the CG height, so you're making high cornering loads. You're going to have higher higher loads on your bearings. Mm-hmm. Uh, the offsets actually move the load line. Uh, so you think about just think about the dynamics of where the bearings are designed to be set in the spot, typically for the OE. Um, but you know th- there are potential options. Um, you know we've looked at uh, the, the volume's got to be there for a large, I say, OE bearing supplier to be able to accommodate that. But uh, it's it's possible. I, I do know some some packages actually upgrade the larger bearing, and that would be my recommendation if you're truly looking at something like that. I know there are kits out there where you can do that. So when you say upgrade to a larger bearing, uh, that wouldn't be just the bearing itself, I would assume. There would be um, more to uh, updating the axle. And, and I apologize, you may not know the, the details of that. I guess my question should be, does Timken make a larger bearing that would uh, uh, lend itself towards larger tires and maybe a greater tire uh, wheel offsets? It wouldn't necessarily be something simple off the shelf. Uh, I, I do know there's some aftermarket kitters that have done that, uh, but we have not uh, 
pursue that business ourselves or have that offering okay. uh, readily available for your your uh, your jeepers no no problem i just uh, in case there was i know that would be a hot item for some jeepers that go through sure. that go through a lot of bearings if there was an option where they could uh, go with a larger one or maybe one that had a little heavier duty build so that the the offsets or the uh, the, the physical size of the the tire and wheel uh, could be uh, managed uh, better now um, is there uh, so so the answer to the question really is is that the the wheel bearing assemblies that we buy for our Jeep are really uh, built for the uh, original equipment so anything that that's, we do that's correct so anything that we do we're going outside of the design of that bearing and potentially could uh, lead to a, a earlier failure uh, do you think that um, I know this is such a. I don't know if you guys actually measure it this way or not in, in miles. You mentioned uh, you know 100,000, 150,000 miles. Is that something mm-hmm. that you guys can that you actually say that you know for the OEM world uh, we expect our bearing to last X number of miles, or is that very much a, a driver dependent thing? A lot of it does depend on driver usage profile. Um, there's many times what's happened is you design a bearing. For, for a, a vehicle platform based on a standard set of parameters. You know, what's the, what's the half gower or half weight of the axle? What's the center of the, of the CG height or weight transfer? What's the track width? So those are all standard calculations that, that we use. And that, that kind of builds into the bearing geometry or how we design the bearing around that. Uh, so that goes a lot into it. Uh, you know, and then one of the challenges is, uh, you know, what, what exactly are all the modifications you would have to account for in the aftermarket? So <laughs> there's a lot that goes into the open yeah. space. <laughs> well, that would be and that would be a nightmare. <laughs> oh, it would. I know, Tony. It would be a nightmare, right? <laughs> and, but you, you're talking about four to five year design cycles, so you have multi uh, year, you know, development plans to to even just get to the OE specs. So it, it's a wow. challenge for, for the bearing guys because you guys really run the hell out of these things. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate that. That's good. I like hearing that because that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, the, 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 the shade tree mechanics going, why can't they just make a damn bearing that, that lasts you no know, matter what I do? So I'm glad that you went right. through that. That's a lot of stuff that we don't uh, consider whenever we're getting a bearing. Let me ask you this. Why does Timken seem sure. to last so much better than some of the, the, the cheaper ones, the ones that you can get, the, you know, like I was, uh, like I commented uh, earlier, that you can get one for, you know, 20 bucks, but it's just not going to last as long. Is it, uh, obviously you guys are designing something uh, more robust or uh, something that's going on there because I'm not putting a bearing in my, uh, on my axle that's not a Timken because I don't want it to break down uh, just, just driving down the road. I appreciate that, Tony. And, and there's a lot that goes behind the scenes. You know, you can have a shiny penny, um, but what's what's inside of it? Um, yeah. You know, the kind of the fundamentals of uh, material science, how the steel's made. Um, it, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes of of uh, really mitigating um, the the you know or, or resisting uh, damage to the bearing. And so what you have is when you have knockoffs, uh, there's, you know, the steel chemistries, those are, those are treated as, as absolutely, you know, uh, core competency and um, trade secrets for, for Timken and other premium suppliers. So you think about Timken, uh, you know, we were uh, up through uh, 2014 where we were a bearings and steel company. We made our own steel 
basically right around World War One, right after World War One, because we didn't like the quality of the steel. So over about a hundred years, Timken developed some really uh, high-end recipes of, of steel cleanliness standards that uh, we hold true today. So a hundred years of history versus some knockoffs out there in the field that make the parts look the same. They just don't act the same when you're talking about resistance to high loads uh, and, and long life as far as rolling contact fatigue. So we're talking about the secret sauce of like McDonald's or something here. You guys have a, a <laughs> special mixture for the steel. Wow, a hundred years. And that's another damn good reason uh, that Timken should be uh, better than everybody else. Uh, I forget about you guys being around uh, way back when. I mean, there's uh, uh, there was uh, Jeeps back in uh, World War II, and I, I'm assuming Timken was, uh, was a part of those. Absolutely. So, you know, I, when I say we've made steel for, we've made steel for over a hundred years, you know, Timken started in 1899, all right? So, so we invented, or Henry Timken, I should say, invented the, uh, the tapered drawer bearing in 1899. So you know, right now we're talking 120 year history. Uh, we've been one of the, the, the founding uh, uh, partners uh, in the automotive industry. Uh, you look at the turn of the 20th century, you know, we were providing about 80% of the, of the automotive, our U.S. automotive market, and to put it in perspective, you know, so even before Jeeps came along in World War II, Tony, you know, you're talking about 40-something years experience in the automotive space. Um, and, and just to give you some facts and figures, you know, when you talk about World War II, you know, the Jeep was one of the three main factors in winning the war, as uh, General Eisenhower mentioned at the time. Uh, about 665,000 Jeeps were manufactured for the war effort. Um, there were actually 24 different bearing positions that Timken provided on those Jeeps, uh, a little over 15 million bearings that we manufactured just for the Jeep platform. My goodness. And, and Timken yeah. very, is very much a, a Jeep-centric uh, company, isn't it? We have been. I mean, you look at the, at the advent of the Jeep in, in World War II, uh, we've continuously supplied uh, different uh, bearing positions uh, throughout that time uh, and, and up to current today. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Karen. She was helping get this uh, this interview set up for us. I was talking to Karen today, and she says, you ought to see our parking lot. It's it's almost full of Jeeps. <laughs> Jeeps and trucks. Yeah. 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 And, and those are the big segments we support. Absolutely. Do, do the employees get discounts on the uh, the Timken bearings? We do. We do, actually. <laughs> you can order through through the Timken site as a Timken employee, but yes, yes, we, we, we can to get that. I need to buddy up with some, uh, some Timken employees then. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we'll, hey, we'll talk offline, Tony. We'll, we'll, we'll oh, I like how I just accidentally dropped that into the uh, <laughs> into the conversation. So, wow, Mike, I'm sorry I got us off uh, off track, kind of uh, talking to technical. But there was, uh, you know, when you when you it's it's like getting an audience with God. You want to ask him questions. Why did you do this? And this, you know, why did this happen? And why didn't you do this? They're still doing so much better. So, oh, well, gee, mortal, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but you certainly answered those questions. I mean, because, uh, you know, like I was saying, it, it, it would be nice if a, if a bearing would do everything. But, of course, that if it did everything, it would cost a lot. And uh, it, it may not. There's also uh, things that can happen that you are unintended consequences that could happen. So, it, right. the Tempkins, right. Tempkins a great bearing. That's the way it is. It would just be nice if it lasted 300,000 miles, you know, which I'm sure as an engineer, you'd like that, too, to, to a certain degree. 
Um, so uh, let's uh, let's uh, let's take a, a switch over to the social media. You know how the kids love following things along. I don't know if you guys are uh, uh, do much on Instagram, or uh, I know I know you guys are on Facebook. How can the uh, the, the listeners uh, find you guys? Yeah, uh, thanks, Tony. Uh, so so Timkin uh, ha- has a presence on on uh, Facebook. Uh, we uh, we publish a lot of uh, technical updates. Uh, we also do a lot of uh, uh, engagement on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, so I know that's oh, a bit more of a, a professional society area, but uh, you know, in, in those in those uh, realms, uh, we are uh, touting much of our uh, you know, technologies. We we serve so many markets, uh, and that's what makes it exciting working at Timken is is you get to see all the markets, whether it's uh, rail, uh, industrial, aerospace. Uh, that I mentioned, uh, 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 mobile off highways. So you got farming and agriculture and mining, and then you got the, the space that I manage, which is the, the light and heavy truck space. So, you know, we use those forums very well to to announce new products or exciting areas that we're we've reached into. And uh, go check us out. So you, I would arguably say you got you are in the coolest portion of the Timken Bearings Group then, because you're in the the light SUVs and trucks. That's going to be the, uh, everybody's going to love you because you're in uh, the thing that everybody loves. I tend to think so as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and before I forget about it, but before I forget about it, you guys actually have a, a giveaway for our listeners, don't you? We do, Tony. Uh, yeah, thanks for bringing it up. So uh, one lucky caller uh, for this podcast uh, will receive a 20-quart a white Yeti Roadie cooler, uh, great value. Uh, it's Timken branded, so there's a nice Timken uh, uh, branding on on the top of the cooler. Oh, gotta have that. So gotta really have the excited. Timken name on there. Yeah, that's really nice. So you know, I, I don't know uh, if you've if you've heard before uh, or I mentioned it before, but what we do is we we make the listener work for it. So <laughs> we don't want them. We don't want this the first caller getting this. We we want to make uh, throw some chance in there. So if you'll pick a number between one and ten, that'll be the number caller that you got to be to be able to win this uh, white Yeti uh, Roadie twenty quart uh, cooler. Uh, of course, with the Timken brand name on it. Yeah, so, Tony. Uh, so oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say. So give us a number between one and ten, and uh, uh, <laughs> and no wagering at home, folks. <laughs> All right. Uh, so with that, Tony, I'm going to go with lucky number four. Number four, okay. And uh, the other thing we like to do, and uh, you may have to think about this for a second, we love to get okay. them to, to give us a phrase because you can't just you just can't call in and be you know four. You gotta you gotta work for it again. So uh, what kind of uh, if you can think of a phrase that they have to say, and uh, and you guys you know how this works. You got to say it correctly. So pay attention. Uh, Mike, is there a phrase <laughs> or something that that we could have the the caller, the lucky caller? Uh, uh, say whenever they call in. Yeah, Tony, I tell you what, uh, the lucky caller uh, number four or whoever you would get after that, if they don't get it right, uh, we'd like them to say Timken consistent, proven quality. Timken consistent, proven quality. Okay. So, uh, here it is guys. You got to be caller number four. You got to say Timken consistent, proven quality. That's kind of a tongue twister. So that's what you got to say, and you call into our voicemail line, which all you have to do is go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to get that number, 
And then call in. If you're caller number four, remember to say Timken, consistent, proven quality. You will get a white Yeti Roadie 20-quart cooler. Did I mention it was a Yeti? And, of course, it's going to have the Timken name on it. So how cool would that be? You won't be one of those little those other slugs that spent a bunch of money for a Yeti cooler. You're going to have a Yeti cooler with a Timken name on it. So that's that's cool right there. <laughs> so uh, i love it tony thanks for, thanks for sharing so mike uh, well thank you guys for sharing because that's it's wonderful that you guys can uh, not only provide such a uh, wonderful uh, uh wonderful products uh for our jeeps but actually uh provide a a real cool cooler uh for one of our listeners mike thank you so much for being with us tonight it went by in a flash and i i, I wasted so much it time did. on technical talk but i'm so glad that i asked because I had my questions answered. I, I, I had that uh, that moment with God to talk to him about, uh, instead of the whole earth, about bearings that I use. So <laughs> it's great. <laughs> but we do have, uh, in addition to Facebook uh, and LinkedIn, we do have a YouTube channel. On that YouTube channel, we do a lot of tech series training uh, for uh, the automotive industry and, and the technical trades. Uh we have 111 technical schools across the U.S. that have completed the tech series courses um, and varying from tricks of the trade videos on how to assemble wheel bearings, how to check and play to tech tips, uh, training resources, and, and it's all free. So we'd love you to go out there and, and check it out if you have a chance. Oh, absolutely. And on YouTube, is that just uh, you just look for Timken uh, to find that? That's right. The Timken channel on YouTube. That's correct. Excellent. So uh, I'll try to find that and throw that in our show notes. So uh, if you guys just go over to jeeptalkshow.com uh, and look in the, the, the show notes for tonight's episode, 407, uh, I'll, uh, I'll try to have that link in there and it'll make it really easy for you. You won't have to do any searching. Just just click and go. Mike, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I've been, uh, been wanting to get Timken on for a long time. And I, I'm so glad that you guys were so excited to be here on the show with us. And uh, I hope you don't uh, uh, look back on this and go, why the hell did we do that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, Tony, it was great talking to you. All right, man. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Hey, big thanks again to Michael Grimosiak. Good Norse, I really hope I'm not butchering his last name, for taking the time to come on the show and tell us a little bit more about the Bearing and Seal Company us Jeepers love and rely on so much, Timkin. Now, hey, we want to hear your Jeep story. If you've got a good one to tell, a story about maybe your first Jeep or maybe your first rollover, heck, if you just want to come on and brag for a minute, I'm sure we could work something out. Regardless of whether you work in the industry or not, we want to hear your Jeep story. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now and let us know if you would like to come on the show. Or maybe you got a story of uh, being chased by a black helicopter at 3 a.m. while wheeling illegally. Oh, God. <laughs> that was an epic story. I need to, before I start po- uh, poking that uh, to the listener, I need to actually have a, an episode number to give them so they can. I don't know. That's, that's in the way back machine right Yeah, there. that's like 82 or something way back. What a, that was a great story, though. The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Florence. Hey, Jeepers. This is uh, Rob. Hey, guys. It's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey, guys. This is Cody from Indiana. Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ Rick. Hi, guys. This is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey, guys. This is Ron out in Arizona. 
Hey, hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show. This is Jason, Oregon Trail Off Road. Hi, this is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. Hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, it's XJ, Jake calling. This is John, Free Runner in XDA2, and on today's Radio Contact segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, an anal probe restraint system. No! No, 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 that's not right. We love our listeners. Ah, yes, Nexen Tire, a leading global tire manufacturer, announced that its Rodian MTX tire was recognized with an award in the transportation category at the 2018 Good Design Award. The Rodian MTX was highly recognized for its distinctive designs of the machine and beast dual sidewalls, versatile for on- and off-road driving that offer customers the freedom to choose their designs according to the preference and vehicle type. Rodian MTX solid and aggressive design is also suited to provide durability and comfort with its patented noise-canceling technology. The tire is strategically designed to avoid repetitive tri- tread block contact that significantly reduces tire noise. The MTX offers three-ply carcasses, or three layers of sidewall protection that is designed specifically to offer more stability and durability when hauling heavy loads. The Nexen Rodian MTX comes in many different sizes, but for off-road types, the Rodian MTX comes in 33, 35, and 37-inch diameters. Check out the NexenTireUSA.com site for specific diameters and wheel sizes. That's NexenTireUSA.com. The J-Bar is a Jeep Wrangler hot top removal hoist system, rugged, lightweight, and simple to use. The J-Bar is all-in-one solution to easily remove and store your Jeep Wrangler hardtop. The J-Bar fits both two-door and four-door models from the 2007 to current. We can also custom fit the J-Bar cables to fit older models. J-Bars are manufactured in their shop located right here in the USA. The J-Bar kit comes with a manual winch so you can install your J-Bar in an area without power. You can use battery-operated drill to quickly and precisely raise and lower your expensive Jeep top or by hand using the handle. The kit comes with J-Bar padded straps, winch with 25-foot cable, ceiling mount, and all the hardware and pulleys to have a complete hard top removal system that will last for years. If you want to use your own winch, the non-kit is for you. The non-kit comes with the J-Bar padded straps, great for the do-it-yourselfer, but when you still want security and safety of a well-designed top removal system. Don't have a Wrangler, but you have a Gladiator? Well, there's a J-Bar solution for that as well. Just visit the jbar.com website, and uh, that's the letter J-B-A-R-R.com. Right now, and see which J-Bar solution is right for you. Every year, our friends and bi-monthly Jeep Talk Show sponsor, Extreme Terrain, grant $5,000 in scholarships to students who are pursuing biology or related degrees in environmental studies, one fall and one in the spring semester. Extreme Terrain is dedicated to giving back where it counts in an an effort to raise more awareness for the recreational use of public lands. At the same time, Extreme Terrain supports youth who are working towards careers that make planet Earth a better place to live and wheel, such as ecology, land use, earth and atmospheric sciences, sustainable land management, environmental biology, and sustainable agricultural systems. Today, Extreme Terrain is happy to announce that Megan Kuntz of Grand Canyon University is their Fall 2019 Scholarship winner. Congrats, Megan! Submissions for spring 2020 are now open. So, to learn more, be sure to visit their link in the show notes for episode 407 at jeeptalkshow.com. Coming up next week, Patrick Chase from The Wheel Northeast, a Facebook page that promotes safe, legal, and responsible wheeling in the Northeast. Hello, JTS listener. On this week's Wrangler Talk, we're going to be covering sleeving your axle tubes. So, first, let's talk about what sleeving your axle is. 
Sleeving your axle tube is the process of plug welding or pressing in another metal tube into your axle, doubling the thickness of your axle tube. So from the factory, a Dana 30 or a Dana 44 come with two and a half inch axle tubes with a tube thickness of a quarter inch. And well, yes, this might be a good strong choice when you're driving to the mall or going to pick up the groceries. It kind of becomes not such a great choice when you start hitting the trails and starting to do some of that rock climbing that we like doing when we're wheeling. And when you start hitting the trails, your axles start to take a bit more abuse, especially when you have larger tires on your rig. And remember, Jeep designed the Jeep Wrangler with the mindset that this Jeep will have 29 to 30 one inch tires on it for its lifetime and will not need a stronger axle. So when we are starting to make modifications to our Jeeps by putting a lift and bigger tires on it, we're increasing the overall weight the axles must support. And after we start increasing the amount of weight they must support, the overall abuse the axle must endure increases as well and the weakest link tends to break first. And the weakest length of these two different axles are their axle tubes. And one of the most common axle failures I see is getting a bend in one of the axle tubes or cracking the tube itself. Like I've seen it crack clean through. So one of the ways to increase the strength of your axle tube is by sleeving the axle tube. And there are two different styles of axle tube sleeves. There are a weld-in kind and then also there are a press fit sleeve. However, both types of sleeves serve the same purpose. So let's talk about the actual process of sleeving the axle tubes. And I want to say sleeving your axle tubes is not for the faint of heart. For both processes, you have to disassemble each side of the front axle and pull your axle shafts out. With your axle shafts removed, you can start the sleeving process and this is where they begin to split. So for the weld-in kind, this process might take a bit longer. However, working with the weld-in sleeves is much easier, simply because of the reason that the weld-in sleeves are machined down so they will slide freely in and out of the axle tubes without getting hung up in any sort of way. So to start the process of welding in your axle tube sleeves, you're going to have to drill a set number of holes in your axle tubes. Normally you have to drill six holes evenly spaced on the shorter side of the axle assembly and 10 holes on the larger side of the axle assembly. At least this is what I had to do when I sleeve my axle tubes. And yes, this is why I said sleeving your axle tubes is not for the faint of heart. You have to drill holes in a perfectly good axle. However, these holes that you'll be drilling will provide the spots at which you will be plug welding your axle tube to the sleeve, making it all one unit. So after preparing your welding surfaces and cleaning out the axle tube, you will make all of your plug welds and reassemble your axle and you're good to go. That's the process of welding in your axle sleeves. Now, when it comes to press in sleeves, they can be a bit tricky. And by nature, press in sleeves, you have to press in the axle tube sleeve into your axle tube. And yes, press in sleeves are machined down. However, they are machined to be an exact fit. Actually, they're probably 
might be a hair larger than the axle tube itself. And this will require a lot of force to put them into your axle tubes. So when pressing in these axle sleeves into the tubes, there is a possibility that they might get stuck at a certain point in the tube. And this creates a much larger problem when pressing these in. And this is why I prefer the weld-in sleeves. Simply because of the reason you're not going to be creating a much larger problem for yourself. So sleeving your axle tubes is a great and fairly non-expensive way to increase the strength of your axle and ensure your axle can take the abuse that it will be thrown when you're off-road. And I personally have done the process in sleeving my axle tubes and I would recommend doing it because of the peace of mind that I personally have and the strength that it added to my Jeep's drivetrain. Well, this concludes this week's Wrangler talk on sleeving your axle tubes. And remember, did I get something wrong? Did I miss something? Or is there something that you would like to hear about on the Wrangler talk? Well, go to our contact page, jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and send us an email or leave us a voice message and we would be happy to answer any of your questions. And remember, JTS listener, stay tuned to next week's Wrangler Talk where we'll be covering upgrading your brakes for those larger tires. Thank you for listening to this week's Wrangler Talk and talk to you next week. From the mind of Nikki G. Views and opinions of Nikki G are solely Nikki G's views and opinions, and not necessarily the views and the opinions of, every, of anybody else. But they should be, damn it. <laughs> this portion of Nikki G brought to you by Henway. Want to know what a Henway is? Ask Tammy. That's Henway. Amusing dad since 1946. Hey, this is Nikki G, and I uh, want to wish Tammy well on your journey across America. And a little words of caution when you're traveling through the South. Uh, be careful. I'm not saying that some of us down here uh, have a family tree that doesn't really have many branches on it. But some of us down here, if we were any more inbred, we'd be a sandwich. <laughs> That's not why I'm calling. We'd be doughy. No. Wait, I, I, guess that, I guess that is why I'm calling. All right, boys and girls, you have a good one, and I'll chat you later. Goodbye. You know, inbreeding explains a lot here. <laughs> At least down there it does. <laughs> hey, I'm in the South. I love bread. You must have needed this every day. I need it! It's the Deep Talk Show's must-have stuff. Pick of the week for your Jeep. So this one I picked because I've heard a lot of people that say they really like the idea of an external traction device, but just really don't like the idea of a fluorescent orange diving board sticking off the side <laughs> of their Jeep. I'm with you 100%. I, I love the idea of those Max Trax boards and everything like that, but man, they are ugly and they take up a lot of room. So this week, I've got something that breaks the mold. The Bunker Wall Recovery Track Mat Emergency Traction Device with Carry Bag is just, well, under $40 and comes with free shipping. It's uh, certainly a lot more attractive in price uh, than, uh, than one of those other options. Provides emergency grip to prevent your vehicle's tires from spinning when stuck in snow, mud, or sand. You just simply place it under your tires. That easy. 
a must-have for automotive safety accessories to keep your uh, keep you on keep on board for all of your vehicles. Great for off-road, beach, or even desert use. No installation required. It rolls up for easy storage. That's right, I said rolls up for easy storage in a nylon carry bag. It's lightweight and easy to use and store and clean. It's made of high-strength rubber tread with a galvanized steel core. Friction tracks are nearly indestructible and can be used over and over again. So, if you don't like the idea of a big fluorescent orange or green or whatever color they're making these things out of now, just a big plastic diving board hanging off the side of your Jeep, well, I don't blame you. Here's another option that rolls up nice and neat and be tucked in the back of your Jeep, nice and out of the way. And hey, guess what? It's black. It doesn't uh, stand out and uh, all that sort of stuff. So, uh, yeah, good option here. And of course, um, we'll have a link of it here for you uh, over in the show notes for this episode. You know, I was just thinking, uh, the, the folks that make the, the surfboards that you're talking about, I, f- I forget even the brand name, but the, the larger things that you can uh, uh, put on the outside of your vehicle uh, and, yeah. you know, just to advertise everybody, I don't get stuck. Uh, that would actually, they could actually do a, like a little promo, uh, much like Baywatch, where they're running across the beach with those things. Oh, Remember yeah. the Baywatch thing? They always right, had those little right. things. Slow that motion. They, that they they drug i guess it was the, it was a flotation device to keep them from right. uh, from drowning or something so you could do mm-hmm. the you could do the same thing million dollar idea another million dollar idea here from the jeep talk show now this is cool well, this is cool because you know we have a little more space than most jeepers since we have you know the station wagging of the jeep uh, the the cherokee but uh, in wrangler this there's there's not a lot of space i guess more in the four door than the two door but the uh, this is really important for the two doors because now you might actually have a place to to put this uh, non surfboard uh, traction device. Absolutely. Well, now that you must have a bunker wall recovery track mat for your very own, we'll make it easy for you to get one. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the link in the show notes for episode four hundred seven. You know, you could paint that white and use it as a uh, pick, white picket fence starter for your house. Hang it off the side of the house, an emergency escape ladder. I mean, oh. you know, there's a number of uses here. Or uh, that uh, little safety ladder for the 16-year-old coming to visit your daughter. That would be yeah, uh, another thing. Your dog is too fat and old and needs to get up into the Jeep. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine after using this thing and it's all muddy and nasty and now you're putting it back in the bag, though? Well, you know, you use it for 101 things other than what it's intended for. It's like the, the company is like, funny. you send them this big, long email, all these videos and pictures, and they're like, hey, you're not even using it for what we intended it for. <laughs> but, all right, more power to you. But as long as you're buying them, we, we're, right. we're all behind you. <laughs> hey, don't forget, coming up in a few minutes, we're going to hear a little bit about some events that are happening in your hometown and maybe even around the nation in Wheeling Wear. And then there was two. <laughs> yeah, only two Jeeps up here around the campfire this week. <laughs> the proper Jeeps, the Cherokees. You know, I had a great outing last weekend. Um, you, if you listened to the last week's show, I was uh, teasing you that I was going to be taking the Jeep out. Oh, you and, actually uh, went. That's yeah, great. Yeah, some Freedom Seeds and uh, and got in some poor low and got some dirt on the sides and all that sort of stuff. Had a, had a great time. The Jeep did great as well. Uh, despite uh, some exhaust leakage, uh, you know that I'm that I'm suffering. Still haven't dealt with that, but uh, uh, I think you can feel me on that one, Tony. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh, uh, we went out to this uh, spot. Um, it's um, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say popular because there are more popular shooting pits in the area, but this one I, I really don't want to 
call out the name on it because I don't <laughs> want everybody and their mother going out there There's now. There's just and, and so much freedom this place yeah, can handle. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons why I love the Northwest. We have so much public land open for public use, including things like wheeling and, yes, target shooting and stuff like that. And, of course, you know, I'm a good steward of the land. I don't bring out stuff that I don't pack out. And uh, so I'm not one of those people that leave, you know, eight tons of fluorescent uh, um, shooting uh, shells out there and, you know, a bunch of uh, clay pigeons and TVs and stuff like that. So uh, we go out there with our steel targets and uh, and that sort of stuff and uh, set things up and, and have a good time. And um, that's exactly what we did. Had a buddy that called me up as I was on my way to go pick up a coworker. And he's like, hey, I'm just leaving the armory. Got myself a new pistol. Are you guys still going shooting? I want to tag along. I was like, absolutely. More the merrier. Come on out. So um, uh, we met up, and uh, he got himself a nice big old King Ranch F-350, and, and uh, so you know, we weren't going to be doing a whole lot of wheeling with him. Uh, so <laughs> no. it, was, uh, it, was, it was out to the, uh, out to the shooting pits and, uh, and breaking uh, a couple of new guns and uh, throw a bunch of uh, lead downrange and plant some freedom seeds. It was an awesome morning. Had a great time. The weather was perfect, and uh, um, yeah, I got a chance to, uh, to shoot some guns that I've never shot before, so it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then, uh, after we kind of, uh, had our fill of gunpowder and all that sort of stuff, it was, uh, time to go our separate ways. And me and my coworker decided to, uh, we'll do some little exploring and, uh, and found a, a, an area where they were, um, had been doing a little bit of a logging operation. And there was this, there was this trail there. And I was like, I think I know where this goes. And so I, I think, I thought I knew the area and, and I thought I knew where this, this, th- what this trail was and everything. And as I start going into it, I'm like, well, things don't quite look as familiar as i thought you know well it could just because they're doing some logging in here the trees are a little bit different i don't re- recognize the tree line exactly it's okay you know we're gonna keep going keep going and <laughs> long, the, long story the, short your friend was uh eaten the first survival yeah you sure do have a pretty mouth boy <laughs> no uh <laughs> We uh, we get out there and we're I'm, I'm talking two miles into the forest this time we're we're quite a ways in there and um, this was basically just like a cut in a cat track for logging equipment it was not a trail as I had thought as I quickly discovered that uh, the jeep was uh, slowly sinking <laughs> getting into softer and softer dirt as I was leaving less and less traveled roadway uh, and so I finally got into this area where I was like oh God we need to get out I, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Um, and so uh, chances are they were probably even supposed to have that, that particular trail, uh, blocked off or something like that, because there was equipment up there, up at the, up at the top, they weren't in operation or anything like that. But nonetheless, I got up there and, and it's just, you know, the dirt was way too soft. It was all fresh cut stuff. And, uh, and, and thankfully I, you know, just keep, kept my momentum, kept my calm for low. Okay. We're going to turn this around and, uh, and just get, get our way back down the mountain. And, and so, uh, and so we did. But uh, had I lost my cool or stopped or anything like that, uh, chances are I would have gotten stuck and I would have been pulling cable, which would have sucked because my winch is still not rebuilt fully all the way yet. So that was the other thing is I get back home and I pull the Jeep into the garage and, uh, and I'm unloading and everything. And I come around to the front of the Jeep and I notice that big gaping maw on the side of my winch. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I haven't put any of my planetary gears back in and repacked this thing yet. Holy so, crap. Yeah. So I was driving around um, basically with, with nothing locking my cable and end link in place um, except for just friction. Uh, so I'm extremely lucky that, that that cable didn't start unspooling and bouncing down the freeway underneath my Jeep or behind it or you know out on the trail or something like that. I mean, that could have 
ended very badly in a number of ways. So it was just me being stupid, uh, me not paying attention, uh, being more excited about going out and, and shooting and wheeling instead of, you know, uh, checking my vehicle and equipment and stuff like that before I went. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was my bad, uh, and, and definitely something that I'm going to be, uh, kicking myself in the shorts for, for a little while now. Well, you know, if you, if you had thought about that or checked your equipment before you left, you would have said, oh, that's right. I got to stay home again this weekend and work on the Jeep. And you know, while I'm in there, let me work on this, that, and the other. <laughs> exactly. And, and you wouldn't have had all this fun. So it worked out. Don't, don't beat yourself up. At least you weren't uh, wheeling alone. Your buddy was in in another jeep or vehicle yeah and i had, got everybody stuck. had communication equipment and stuff as, as well so it, even if i had gotten myself stuck they wouldn't have been you know the end of the end of the world or anything like that but uh but yeah i was a little bit of miss about you know uh, doing things a little unsafely uh, as far as you know my equipment stuff goes so um yeah it's just uh, a lesson learned no great story ever started with uh yeah let's have some chocolate milk it's always yeah, right. <laughs> with a beer or alcohol or something so it's a, it's a great story you had fun that's all that matters so now, Tony, we were we were talking um, before the show, off the air, if you will, uh, uh, about uh, something that happened here with you here over this la- over the last couple of days. Now you had uh, made an order, and something had arrived, and we were talking about uh, uh, about some new rubber at the beginning of the show, and we were even talking about in our um, uh, we were in our advertisements there about a tire company who has some um, new noise canceling technology built into their uh, engineering of their tire. Can you talk at all about what's been happening with you over the last couple uh, days and uh, and your Jeep? Well, you have it partially correct. There was a new order. There was uh, a new rubber involved, but it was uh, bacon salt and prophylactics. No that way. Was, uh, Sounds like a good Saturday night. <laughs> no, what uh, what Josh is alluding to is uh, the Nixon tires, if you guys have been following along. And, and really, it's happened very quickly. Uh, I have a, uh, a, a wheeling event that I'm going to try to make out uh, to, and when I say try to make out to, I fully intend on going there. I just want to make sure the Jeep is attending on going as well, because <laughs> it has a tendency to run hot on the highway, which, and I hate to say this because I've said it before, I've thought it before, but it was untrue that I, I think that problem is, is, is solved. You yeah, can it's hear been me, a while since you it's can raised, stuttering. its ugly head. <laughs> you can hear me stuttering because I don't really fully believe it. But, uh, so I'm, I'm driving like four hours, uh, across the state of Texas, about halfway across the state of Texas and, uh, to an event, uh, for on October 26th, uh, up at, uh, Barnwell, uh, recreation off-road park. I'm not getting the name right. I'm sure. Uh, and, uh, to go before I go there though, I need to replace my, uh, aging, uh, BFG KM twos that, uh, don't have a lot of tread. Well past the tread mark from what I saw in the pictures. Yeah, so uh, I, uh, you know, I went out to California, invitation of uh, uh, Don Alexander, uh, the uh, the Jeep, uh, the school of jeeping, <laughs> the the uh, the Jeep school, and uh, also to Nexon Tires. Went out to California and got to uh, to ride around on some uh, Nexon Rodian MTX uh, tires. Loved them. So uh, I could have gone back and got some BFGs and put on my vehicle before the, going on this off-road trip, or I could try these Nexon tires that uh, similar to the ones I, that I used out there in California. And when I say well, similar, me- they were identical with the exception they're 33s and not 37s <laughs> that I used in California. 
Now, you had intended, fully intended, before this whole Nexon event, you were pretty much stuck oh, with, BFGs. I was going to replace these with the BFGs. Absolutely. You, know, you had them, you've, you've, you've used them for years, they, they work yep. well, you know how they respond, you know how they perform, um, tried and, and true, and all last. that sort of stuff. They last yeah, a and, long and they time. Got, right. And, and so, you, for all intents and purposes, your mind was made up, and then this event changed your mind. Yep, and uh, it was... Uh, I don't, you know, I had no experience on, on rocks, really. So I was really going by the, the much more um, experienced individuals that were there, and they were just shocked and dismayed at how well, maybe not dismayed, <laughs> but just how well the, the Nexon Rodeon MTX tires uh, uh, operated on the rocks. And uh, so, you know, I know I didn't have any problem driving. It was point and shoot. I mean, I just went wherever the hell I wanted to go. And uh, they said so much of that is dependent upon the tire. And that makes sense to me because that's what's contacting the surface. I mean, you can, right. you can have anything you want on your Jeep, but if the tire doesn't perform, well, you're not going to go. I mean, take the tires off and see how far you get with uh, just right. wheels. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I was more than happy to give it a try. And uh, the, the, difficult I, the difficulty I had, though, was finding somebody that had the tires. Because, you know, uh, Nexon has been around a long time, but they've only been making off-road tires for, I think, two years. So, oh, and a lot of their distributors probably aren't going with the off-road tires. They just don't have a lot in stock or, you know, people, this is not people aren't probably asking what their for business them. They is. Yeah, yeah, they don't know about them. So, uh, they have this phenomenal off-road tire from everything that I have seen. They have this phenomenal off-road tire and nobody knows about it. Um, and, 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 and I don't know if I, I've mentioned this before. They're cheaper than most other tires, and they're certainly cheaper than the KM3s. I think I told you in chat that the KM3s uh, over at Discount Tire were two hundred and forty-six dollars a piece, which I'm sure is yeah. an, I'm sure it's an excellent price, but damn, that's expensive. Yeah, it is. And uh, I got these uh, these Nexon, uh, and that's that's the thirty threes that I was pricing thirty three twelve and a half by fifteen, and I priced these uh, this these Nexon uh, Rodian MTX, which are mud terrains. Uh, 33, 12 and a half by 15, 199.95. That's a decent savings. That's, that's, that's huge. Now, I found out that, that BFG is still selling the KM2, so I guess they still have stock available. But the So they were closer in price. They were uh, 217 a tire. So mm. that's not so bad. And I already had a KM2 because a, a good KM2 spare because you know how you're supposed to rotate the tires? Well, I never did. <laughs> so I got this brand new, uh, as far as touching the road surface, KM2. So I would have only had to buy buy four, but I really wanted to try out these Nexons. And Josh, when I when they finally got the damn things on, and I'll just mention, I hate NTB. I just hate them. But they but they carry the 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 the, uh, the Nexon tires, and they carry the Rodian uh, MTXs. Uh, I was I was just not happy with the the service that they have there. I was told on the phone that uh, I said, "Look, you know, I can order these uh, tires from you guys and wait for them, or I can order them online and have them ship them to you. I'm fine with buying them from you guys, but I don't want to pay your price. Do you yeah. do you price match?" And they said yes. And I said, "Okay, I'm not paying shipping or taxes on these tires." Can you match the price? And they said, no, we can't because we can't uh, uh, discount the tax. I said, okay, no problem. How much does it cost me to uh, for the 
to have the tires mounted and balanced or balanced and mounted. I guess it's really the proper proper way of saying it. And mm-hmm. they they told me eighty five dollars. I thought, well, gee, that seems high, but I think it's yeah. like seventeen dollars a tire or something like that. And you know they're not making anything off the tires, so that's fine. Eighty five bucks, uh, that's fine. So I get there and it's explained to me. No, that's if you buy the tires from us. The, oh, that please. wasn't that wasn't the conversation. It was clear that I, I was asking about if I yeah. buy the tires and have them shipped to you, how much is it going to cost to have them mounted and balanced? Eighty five dollars. And the lying sack of shit that was there at the time, because I spoke to the guy in person <laughs> that on the phone, he's mm-hmm. telling me, no, that was eighty five dollars if you buy it from us. No, that wasn't the conversation. Yeah. And I and I literally said in a, in a room full of uh, waiting customers, they call that the bait and switch. <laughs> sure enough. And, I, and every time I go to NTB, some kind of bullshit like this happens. So it, oh it, yeah, because I remember the last time they tried to tack on a big like shop fee supplies charge or oh, something I'm like sure, that. that I'm sure it was on BS. this one. Yeah, I'm sure it was on this one too. So anyway, it was 125 bucks. <sighs> to have five tires mounted and balanced. Everybody was super nice. Uh, the service was fine otherwise, but I don't like being told one thing. And, and, and Josh, have you ever known me not to be clear? Lie for me here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, clearly a trick question. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got a good glass of water. <laughs> I was having microphone difficulties here, Tony. I'm like, you can't quite understand what you're saying. <laughs> so you'll just have to believe me on this. I was very clear that I was going to be buying tires and, and, and having them shipped there. And how much was mm-hmm. it going to cost yeah. to have them mounted and balanced? And it was 85 bucks. So anyway, as it turns out, no, it's 85 bucks if you buy the tires from them and 125 if you don't. Buyer beware or non-buyer that's, beware. And that's why I'm mentioning MTB here because uh, that wasn't the conversation uh, Did you that not I had. have a Les Schwab close to you or, you know, some other tire? I mean, isn't there a mom pa tire shop that you could have just given them 40 bucks and called it good or something? I, I don't know. It just seems like there would have been another I may, option. I may do that. There's lots of tire places. Uh, there's uh, the used tire place down the real close to the house. I, I just, I'm, I get nervous about my Jeep, you know? Uh, I, I, I hear you. I, I, I want to go someplace that I've been before. And even though uh, NTB has always done uh, good work, They've just been shady in, you know, getting the customer more service out of the, you. The, well, the ethics behind it, how they operate. Friendly, helpful. Uh, they, oh, sure. They when the, they're putting one leg up on the counter and giving it to you dry, they'll be smiling <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> they got the uh, they got the job done. It it was great. I just don't like the idea where they tell you something on the phone. They get you in there, and now what are you going to do? Oh, no, mm-hmm. those tires that were shipped here. Stuff those in my Jeep, and I'm going to go find somebody else to do this for me. What's What are you more likely to do? Yeah, that's yeah, fine. No, I'll pay the no. $35 extra that I wasn't planning on uh, paying and just, just do and it. And then I'm going to spend a half hour on my national world-famous podcast talking trash about your company. I'll never, ever patronize you people again. Holy crap. I thought I was going to be doing another show here in a second when you said world-famous. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to the point. Less, less whiny, bitchy uh, stuff. Uh, I drove out of there. It was so weird. It was so smooth. And, oh. And it was, it was, and I'm talking about the tires and this, the whole feel of the Jeep. It was just so smooth and it was like really strange feeling. 
Uh, now, keep in mind, I had some cupping going on, and I rotated the tires to try to uh, get the cupping uh, lined they, they out. Switched, and they switched those mud trains out for small trains, and you didn't notice. Oh, no, I know. No, I'm, I'm serious. God, it was it was be. like it was like <laughs> driving my wife's uh, TJ that is all trains, and uh, it was so funny. I'm driving home. I, I was only like uh, two miles from the house, and uh, which is another reason why I was using NTB because it's close by. Mm-hmm. Driving home. And you could hear the mud drains, but it was just kind of a, a very slight noise. So you could hear them while you're driving. So that noise-canceling technology that uh, Nixon right. talks about, uh, very true, at least so far. They're brand new. We'll have to see uh, you know, what happens at 50,000 miles because uh, mud drains you know, generally do get talky after a while. Uh, but uh, driving home, and I remember taking my foot off the gas and going, where did the noise go? Is this what it's like to drive a Prius? <laughs> it was <laughs> so quiet really it was so quiet and then uh, i remember i finally got to the subdivision and i was going to pull in and you know you you give it some gas and then as you're turning you take your foot off the gas and i'm and i literally thought did my engine die <laughs> where's oh, the geez. noise it was so smooth and so quiet i was like oh my goodness i'm gonna be falling asleep while going to, to and from work have you had them on the freeway yet i have not uh oh. crossed the freeway uh but that doesn't count uh, yeah no <laughs> uh yeah very, it's, it's very nice. interesting well oh. i'm 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 glad to hear about this this noise cancel i mean the you know because generally most mud terrains are are relatively noisy i mean they have some some vibration some harmonics and that hum and everything else and and especially out on the freeway um, but to to have such a night and day difference between an old set of KM2s and these brand new Rodian MTXs from Nexon, um, and, and the Nexons being so much quieter, I mean that that speaks a lot to to the engineering that's going into these things. So yeah. I, I'm glad to hear that that you know they're actually living up to the stuff that they are saying that they do. Yeah, I mean I I, I used them uh, in California; they were great. But this is the actual first set that I've ever had on my Jeep. And I and neglected to mention, uh, it was kind of, it's kind of a cool cool day here today in the probably 60s or uh, low 70s. So mm-hmm. windows were down. I had my my passenger and and driver side window down. So this wasn't quiet with the windows up. And I'm guessing you didn't really get a chance to to ha- when you were in California to get a whole lot of road miles with the with the the test jeep that you were driving, uh, did you? Or was it all dirt and rocks and trail? No, we had to we had to get there, and then we had to oh, get, okay. we had to get back, and uh, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't like what I experienced today. And I don't know if that's because of the worn tires, because I'm sure those Rodians were had been used more than what mine had, which literally had you know zero miles on them, mm-hmm. uh, or if it was uh, the, the Jeep itself and the suspension system. Those things were running uh, Rock Jock sixties and uh, uh, you know a bunch of other. Uh, pretty much anything you could think of known to man to, that you could throw on a jeep and uh so I, I but i assumed that they were just worn in more and that, that but they weren't real loud either so uh they just performed really well now this is this is kind of funny uh the guy was asking me as they normally do when they're they're putting the tires on what pressure what air pressure do you want the tires set at and i said well, what's the max uh, rating on the tire and I was like I was going to do a, PSI or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was going to do a little calculation and come up just something off the wall in my head about you know I didn't want to do max, so you know tell me what the max is. And um, he's looking, he's got his finger uh, all around the the outside of the tire and trying to find it. And after about uh, fifteen minutes, no, it wasn't that long. It seemed like it. 
I said, uh, hey, you know what? Let's make it 28 PSI. And he looked at me funny. And, but I knew. I knew from going out to California. I learned about these, uh, the, the sidewalls on these Nexon Rodian MTXs that are very stiff. So I didn't feel that a low air pressure would uh, cause me any issues. And, you know, you put them on, and I got to check the air pressure because they don't look like they're 28. They, they look like I was going to say, at 28 pounds, you'd see a little squat. You'd see those sidewalls bulge just a little bit out, you know, uh, somewhat. So I did not I'd, see th- that, that at they're, all. Oh, man, I'm, that is amazing. So uh, maybe they're going to break in a little bit. Maybe they'll soften up after you get, you know, a couple hundred miles on them or something like that. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'll be curious to see, yeah. uh, one, you know, how that pressure does for you over the next couple few weeks. But two, um, how they how they end up working for you uh, on the freeway. Yeah. I mean, I've only driven driven about two miles. Uh, no, no freeway. But night and day difference than from the man, the, the BFGs. That's that were, awesome. That were very worn. You saw how how low they those nubs were on there. Oh, you got your you got your money's worth out of those BFG yeah. KM twos. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, when you spend fourteen hundred dollars for tires, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna wear those things down. To oh the, God, to the yes. Belts. I mean, that's just <laughs> huge, and it's just so wonderful getting new tires. Oh, it really is. I, there's nothing like that new tire smell and feel. It, yeah. It's just something else. So what I did do was. Uh, and I, I, I don't think we have uh, a lot of listeners local to me, but I'll, I, I may be wrong. Uh, I did keep the the rear spare tire, the KM2, uh, mm-hmm. because it hasn't been used. Uh, it's it's like a brand new tire. Now they do age, and if they're in the sun, they age faster and yada yada. But if uh, anybody out there is interested in a uh, never seen pavement other than it rolling across the floor to be put on the uh, the the rack in the back, <laughs> I've got a a, a a like new KM2 33 12 and a half by 15. So if you uh, were looking at replacing your uh, your five. Uh, KM2s, and you only want to buy four, uh, hit me up because uh, I got this one that uh, that I it's actually still in the back of my Jeep. I got to pull that thing out tomorrow, but uh, uh, yep, yep. So I'd like to, uh, I just hate the idea of them, uh, you know, trashing a brand new tire. And yeah, yeah, or, or them selling it to somebody and, and making money, more money that they don't need to make. Yeah, especially after uh, lying to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So very, very happy uh, so far with uh, the Nexians. The the only thing that I'm kind of concerned about is uh, is mileage because I, I know the BFGs. I know how many miles I can get out of the BFGs. How many miles did you get out of those BFGs? Do you, well, do you know I probably roughly shouldn't ballpark? Have, I probably shouldn't have said I know the mileage because I don't know precisely but it's it's well over fifty thousand miles. I don't want to no say I don't want to say a hundred thousand, but it's uh, I've had them. I'd have to go back and look, but I've had them for a very long time. I'd and, be surprised if you got fifty. I, I oh, would no, expect easily forty. No, but no, fifty no. is wow. No, really? No, 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 no. I, I this is what I experienced with the KMs. It's the same thing I experienced with the KM twos. Uh, wow. Have they gone past their useful life? Maybe I don't know, but they pass inspection. <laughs> so well, okay. You know, uh, and I didn't have any problem stopping or taking off. Uh, so, you know, uh, would they be any good off-road? I don't think they would have been great off-road because, uh, you know, the, as mud drains, they, they really weren't. 
Oh, probably on a, on a on a dry trail or something like oh, that. Oh, dry maybe trail, in, sure. In, in deep mud, maybe not so much. In the snow, yeah, probably not so much. Uh, yeah. Sand, eh, you get some flotation out of the, it, so uh, who knows? The great thing is is that you wouldn't have to clean out the lugs because there, there really wasn't any lugs there. There really wasn't any <laughs> left anymore, was it? <laughs> now, it wasn't that bad. At least I don't think it was, but uh, uh, it, was, it was time. I mean, if I'm going to go on an off-road trip, and also, too, I want to experience that next entire uh, off-road experience and and this is going to be rocks up in uh, at barnwell so it'll be something very similar to uh, what i did uh, uh, in california and uh, I, I i did get the uh, uh oh i was looking at my exhaust leak the other day yeah. I, I can't find it i think it a- might uh-huh. actually be where the the downpipe connects to the header oh yeah that sucks i i had one form there uh, i think it was two headers ago <laughs> And I mean, not the header itself, just where the pipe connects to it. I think there may be a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a, 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 an opening, a little sliver, and hmm. it doesn't take much to get, you know, they get that no, exhaust it noise. Yeah. So I tried uh, moving the thing around and trying to get it, because you could see that it's short on one side and long on the other as far as how it's fitting that, oh, okay. uh, that, uh, that I don't want to say gasket. The, yeah, the donut. It, exactly. Yeah. I even had another donut that I put in there thinking maybe that would help. And uh, it's really strange because uh, initially the noise, there wasn't a lot of noise, exhaust noise. But as I drive it and it, I think as it shifts around, it moves and the noise, Mm. the noise will get louder and it'll get quieter. And I wouldn't expect expect that in a a cracked situation. Well, I mean, uh, that crack could be flexing a little bit, uh, opening up either thermally or with, um, you know, with the motion of the motor and the drivetrain and stuff like that. And so you could be getting a little bit of flex uh, around that area. And and we're talking, you know, 16th of an inch, 32nd of an inch, uh, you know, all that matters, you know, 30, 30, 40, 50 thousandths of an inch. um, And that changes between, you know, that size. You're going to notice that just because of how much exhaust pressure is through that system at that point in in, in, in the pipes. So what I'm thinking about doing is uh, disconnecting that uh, that pipe uh, that comes down and crosses over, disconnecting it from the catalytic converter, and then uh, loosening it up on the header, and then getting it straight on there, and then pressing the <laughs> the end over to the uh, the catalytic converter and hooking it back up. See if I can get it straight on the header. Likely you're going to run into some problems uh, with that because of that central exhaust hanger location and because that's right, uh, that's going to be right where you're talking about, you know, that's right before the cat. And and so that y- oh, you, you'll true. probably be able to line everything up, but then you may not line up with your hanger there um, on the on the cross member. So you're you're going in the right direction, but at that point you're going to have to go down to your exhaust shop and have them weld on that that, you know, that arm well, that, that dowel that comes off the exhaust that slides into that exhaust uh, that exhaust hanger on your transmission mount. This sounds like a lot more work than I want to do, but I could drop the cross member. And um, the, 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 the hanger, is that on the cross member? I can't remember now. It's actually a, in between the transmission and the transmission mount. Well, I'm sorry, in between the transmission mount and the cross, the cross member. member. Yeah, because I know it bounces on the cross member. Yeah, so that's going to suck. So I think this thing is just not, I think the, the, the Walker downpipe that I bought off of Amazon, I think it's just, uh, it's not twisted properly. 
I think yeah. that's, I think that's what it's amounting to is, is that it just doesn't fit. Almost so the, the other, exact same problem I'm I'm experiencing right now. So the other thing I was thinking about doing, I have uh, some uh, not thermal bandages. What do you call the the wrap that you can put on headers and stuff? Oh no! Do, oh wait, now yeah, it's just header wrap. Header but wrap. That's but I'm that's thinking not about, gonna. I'm thinking about actually putting it over that joint and uh, trying to uh, seal up that uh, right there where the the flange connects to it. Because the only option I have is to uh, buy another uh, downpipe and replace it and hope that it's met, made better than the one I have, which this one's relatively new. I mean, it's it's probably a year old. Do you remember how much you spent on that Walker downpipe? God, it wasn't much. Um, I want to say 40. It may have been 60, but I want to say 40. So for not much more, you could probably have an, ex- an exhaust shop fabricate you one that will 100% fit. The exhaust shops that I have found around here are worse than NTB. Oh, my God. And really? Then, and then when I say worse, I mean uh, they're nice and the price is exactly what they say it's going to be, but their work is shit. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't want that. Goodness. I, the last I, I guess time, I take it for granted. I got an, uh, an amazing chain of exhaust uh, shops out, no, out in my, in my neck of the woods. And, yeah, I can't oh, find that's one. that's too bad. So, uh, to, to remind you, the last time I had one done like that, they welded in the bung for the the O2 sensor. Yeah, and I I took out the O2 sensor going over a railroad track too too quickly because they oh, didn't no. because the way they put it in there was at the wrong place, uh, and it it literally the 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 the, the Dana thirty literally came up and struck the the upper yeah. part of it. I guess it was the upper yeah. control arm hit yeah. the O2 sensor, and I was surprised I could make it, it home. Sheared it right off. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, that thing did not want to run right without a uh, O2 no, sensor. No, no, especially an upstream one. Goodness. Yeah, yeah that's that's bad news. So oh, I, man, I, like, I like what you're saying. It makes perfect sense. It's not been my experience. <laughs> well, maybe one of our <laughs> listeners um, who is in, in in or familiar with the uh, with the Texas area can uh, maybe have a suggestion for you. Maybe some, some you know, one of those little mom-pa shops that, that's in one of those little industrial complexes or something, and you just don't know about it because all they do is the, you know, stuff for the race car guys or something, you know? Who knows? Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe one of our listeners can point you in the right direction and, and, and get you taken care of because, yeah, sometimes those, uh, you know, off-the-shelf bolt-on solutions just don't quite work or perform the way that we want them to so uh you're you're left holding the bag or or find another solution yeah i guess if i had a torch i could bend it a little bit but uh good lord things just spiral out of control very quickly yeah that's <laughs> what, could, what could possibly go wrong <laughs> well would you like to join in on the campfire side chat we sure love to have you pull up a chair crack a beverage go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us and join in on the fun Hey Jeeper, it's Mitch and it's time for your weekend Going Topless Jeep Weather Report. Let's start by Going Topless in Rutland, Vermont. Rutland is out by Green Mountain National Forest. There will be cloudy and 48 on Friday, 52 for Saturday and 57 for Sunday. There isn't a rule saying you can't be topless and run your heater. Keep your heater on and go topless in Yellowstone National Forest, Wyoming. There will be snowing this weekend with 32 on Friday and Saturday and 28 on Sunday. Just a note, I'm of Scottish descent. So ditching underwear and wearing wool clothes in the snow sounds fun. All right, so you aren't quite ready for winter like me. Then go topless in Corpus Christi, Texas. It will be sunny on Friday of 84 and Saturday of 92. On Sunday, it will be partly cloudy and 88 degrees. If you're looking for perfect weather to go work on your winter tan, make someone's day and go topless in Joshua Tree National Park, California. Out here, 
It will be consistent and sunny all weekend. 81 for Friday, 84 Saturday, and 81 on Sunday. If you have any suggestions or want to know your local weather and in an upcoming episode, just reach out to me at jeepshockshow.com slash contact. It's always a great day to go topless if you're brave enough. Just go topless responsibly. Hey, now let's get to some events from around the world and maybe even in your neck of the woods. Don't forget to let us know about an event that you are planning or are involved with or volunteering with. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact, click and fill out our wheeling wear form. That information will come straight to us and we will get it out to the masses. Coming up November 7th through the 10th is Trucks Gone Wild. This is happening at the Redneck Mud Park in Punta Gorda, Florida. This is coming from the worldwide leader in off-road entertainment, mud bogging, mega trucks, ATVs, UTVs, and they throw the biggest parties in the mud. So if you are uh, interested in that sort of stuff, trust me, the website doesn't do it any justice. These are amazing events. You'll have a lot of fun. Uh, also coming up a little bit before that even, we have SEMA, the big SEMA show happening in Las Vegas, Nevada, November 5th through the 8th. This is the Specialty Equipment Market Association. It's where all the big stuff happens. And, of course, the Jeep Talk Show is going to be there. So if you are going to SEMA, if you uh, know of us, if you want to meet us in SEMA, well, reach out to us, see if we can't uh, make something happen. Yeah, now's the time, sorry, Josh, now's the time to to start following us on uh, social media, uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, even Twitter. So that you can uh, follow us along while uh, while I'm there in SEMA and uh, maybe meet up, get a sticker or two. For more events, more information and links, please visit the JeepTalkShow.com website for this episode. That's it for the show this week, my fellow Jeeper. Don't forget, Power of the Jeep Talk Show is in your hands. If you like what we're doing, then be sure to like and share what's on our Facebook page. And be sure to tell a friend, too. So, until our trails meet again, Jeeper, thank you for listening to the world's most downloaded Jeep podcast. We may get muddy, we may play in the dirt, our seals may leak, and our fluids may spurt. You may find us crawling out on the rocks or emptying piles of sand out of our socks. Some may call us heathens and cheap, but all we hear is the sound of our Jeep. Podcasting since 2010.